Excellent. Well, good morning. Great to... So good being with you. We snuck in uh, secretly a couple of weeks ago. And uh, actually, it's so exciting to be here, not just in the building, but actually to be here at um, uh, the baptism event that took place a few weeks ago. Uh, I did say to Jez afterwards, I said, it's great that you found a structural place in the building that could hold safely all of that weight in the baptistry pool. And Jez said, I hadn't even thought about that. So it was, uh, anyway, that's good. That corner's fine for baptism pools. So that was so good to be here. Good to uh, be with you. If I've never met any of you, uh, there's one or two faces who I just don't recognize. My name is Graham. I have the, the privilege of leading the team uh, of leaders who lead King's Church and uh, King's Seaford and uh, King's in uh, Eastbourne. Uh, we have two venues across in Eastbourne, uh, so there'll be three venues. In fact, Jez, when I came here two weeks ago, I heard Jez speak at the, uh, the baptism event, and uh, there's a baptism event in Eastbourne taking place in, oh, I don't know, about 10 minutes' time uh, the, at, uh, at 11 o'clock. And uh, I said, Jez, can we do a switch? Can I come in here? And, and you go, because I just thought how he communicated was just absolutely spot on. And uh, we would love him to be across there. That's what I love about being in team, that we can mix it up a little bit. So you should have been actually starting a new teaching series this week, but it's all been pushed back one week. And uh, so I'm going to be coming in just with a few thoughts and uh, just to kind of like encourage you. And I, I love the, the, the Alpha video. Some of you are checking in, checking out, uh, trying to explore spirituality, trying to work out what life's all about. That big question, is this it? And, uh, you know, begin the adventure. I, I, I love that, that wording of just beginning the adventure. And, and in a way, uh, becoming a Christian isn't the end of the adventure. Okay, you, you don't go like through all this journey and you go, okay, I'm working out what's life about, what's life about, what's life about. Oh, it might actually be about God. It might be about Jesus, getting to know Jesus and go giving life over to Jesus. Uh, that, that isn't when the adventure stops. Okay, you don't go, okay, now you've got to behave yourself because now I'm a Christian and I've got to kind of like start wearing sensible clothes and doing things in a sensible way. That, that the adventure is meant to continue. And uh, this is very relevant. Uh, a few days ago, we were with uh, a couple. Uh, she's just gone 38. He's 39 going on 40, which some of you would describe as a young couple. <laughs> Those people in delusion would describe them as a young couple. And uh, in fact, they, they're beginning the midlife crisis. Okay, whew, mid midlife. What, and they're going, what is life about? And they're beginning to question it because there must be more. They've been Christians like for donkey's years. Okay? Back in their late teens and 20s, they, they used to go out uh, to South America or into Africa and they were part of teams and they would go end up building uh, buildings for people out in kind of like remote places. And hey, that's good. And now the adventure seems to have gone. Or they're coming back to it. They've got two young kids. They've got secure jobs. They've got a house with mortgages. And suddenly the adventure seems to have dried up. And they're coming to this point of the midlife. Okay? Or you go, well, that's a bit young to go in the midlife crisis. Okay? Midlife. 
But actually, there's a significant thing that happens. You know, I remember when I was in and around about 40, 41 years of age, you're going, do you know, up to that point, am I doing well? Am I being noticed? Am I being recognized? Am I successful? And suddenly begin to realize that some of those values actually don't really matter anymore. Uh, what am I doing? Is it, is it about me? It's kind of no longer about me. It's kind of, am I doing anything of significance? Am I leaving a mark anywhere that has got some legacy, that's got some point, that's got some purpose? And so this young couple over in Eastbourne were, were beginning to question, you say, we had all these dreams, we had all these ambitions, then life kind of like took over. But is this it? Is this life about? And it doesn't need to be like that. It's not begin the adventure and then stop the adventure and get off and put your slippers on and sit back. I don't think that's the adventure. I don't think that's the life that God is calling us to. Did you watch a a film a few years ago called The Bucket List, which introduced kind of a phrase within language, which, you know, things that you wanted to do or things that you wanted to do before basically you die. And I remember the film, and and they were right down the list, and all the things that they wanted to tick off on the list. And if I was to draw up a a, a list, a number of things, you know, maybe solve the Rubik's Cube would be one of my things on on my bucket list one day. If an eight-year-old can solve it in four seconds, I should be able to, like, have an attempt at solving it before the end of my life I have done without peeling off the stickers and breaking it apart genuinely, without cheating, complete the Rubik's Cube. Maybe uh, it's, you know, this fanciful idea of running a marathon. I've <laughs> seen Tony at the back. I ran the half marathon with Tony, oh, years ago, and it's just like, going, I mean, that was bad enough. Doing that twice, it's just ridiculous. Why enough? But anyway, there's dreams. One of the dreams I would have is about whitewater rafting. Okay, I, I would love just to go and do that. Sit in a dinghy and just go down the whitewater rafting course. On four occasions, we've ch- attempted this now. Four times, we're privileged that sometimes we get to travel. So uh, actually, we're on holiday one time. We're in Italy. Yes, come and do whitewater rafting. It's only half an hour away from where we were staying, and there was, the water was too low in the river. And then we went to Zimbabwe, and Zimbabwe is one of the 10 best places in the world to go whitewater rafting, and there's too much water, okay, at Vic Falls. And then we went into South Africa, and uh, you read up all this, this blurb. Oh, yes, come to this place. It's just one of the best places in South Africa to go whitewater rafting. And we turned up and they switched off the dam, which fed the river. And then we went to Wales. Surely, surely Wales is the answer. And do you know what? We went after the driest summer in Wales and there was no rain in Wales and there's no water in, in... Can you believe that? In Wales. There was not enough water in Wales. I, I hit a milestone birthday uh, towards the back end of last year and as those sobering and life kind of challenging effects. So when I hit 50, it's kind of like we're working out what do we want to do with life? Where do we go? What, what's this about? Is this it? <laughs> it's just this slow decline. And uh, I remember we were chatting to Belinda, we were both the same age, and we said, what are we going to do? Because you kind of like working decades. And uh, we said, okay, what do we want to do in the next decade of our life? And actually, just one of those fun things that we want to do is visit 10 countries in 10 countries we've never visited in the next 10 years. Because we just kind of want to keep that, that adventure in us. We want to keep going. And actually, we hit one of those. We went to Mozambique, 
uh, in November, December of uh, last year. And uh, it's great. We get, we, it's, it's, we were able to support a work that is going on out in Mozambique. And we came back from that and we said, hey, there's an opportunity here for someone. That, uh, there's a school out there in Mozambique and there's a, amazing projects that are taking place in, in Nampula, uh, just outside of Nampula, northern Mozambique. And amazing projects, uh, chicken farms and factories and things like that, all trying to change, change the nation of Mozambique for the better. And uh, in the midst of this, there's an international school, and uh, this was being run by uh, a lovely, lovely couple. And, sh- uh, and, and, and the wife in this couple was absolutely exhausted. She was absolutely worn out, given her life, her life had just been given to setting up schools similar to this. And, but she was just worn out, and she needed a break. And so I said, we will come back to England, the UK, and we just put it out there. Does anyone fancy a three-month break in, <laughs> in Mozambique? And if you go on the uh, home office kind of r- reports, it says, highly likely acts of terrorism. And so it doesn't kind of like endear you to actually go there. But, uh, you know, we're looking for a teacher. Go to Mozambique, this age group profile. Uh, can you go for two, three months? Anyone available? And we just put it out there. And do you know what? Within a very short period of time, someone in the Eastbourne, one of the Eastbourne congregations, got in touch with us, a former teacher, a former head teacher, uh, with the exact age group, all the experience, she was born in Africa, loves Africa, and she was saying, I just want to, and I've got a two-month window right now where I'm not doing anything, let's go for it. Her husband was also supportive of her, although kind of like would love to have been with her. But within like some, from saying yes, so after the new year, the High Commission opened on the Monday uh, to get the visa. The visa was granted on the Tuesday and she flew out on the Wednesday just to go for adventure. And she started teaching on the Friday of that week. So where's the adventure? Now, I'm not suggesting that you should all get a visa for Mozambique, okay? But I'm also saying, look, let, let, let the adventure begin. Don't stop the adventure. Now, now for kings in, in, here in Seaford, this is an adventure. But you know what? This could also become the trapping. You think that this is the end. This is not the end. This isn't the end. This is, this is, this is a start of an adventure for kings in Seaford. So don't just go, oh, okay, we got comfortable now. and you know, Let's work out what chairs we want and how much padding on the chairs that we have. And Why don't we all go for sofas and sit back? We quite like the cinema in, in Lewis. That's quite nice. Why don't we get those kind of like seats in there? We can go. This is not where the adventure ends. It's just the beginning. So what happens when we kind of hit these, in effect, midlife crises? <laughs> trying to work out. Trying to, you know... So we, hit, we taught a bunch of uh, 20-year-old gap year students recently, and we asked them a question. It, we talk about a uh, bucket list. What's your gospel? What's your gospel bucket list? What, what, what do you want to do for God? Now, when you're in your 20s, you're kind of like, come on, we're going to do this. We're going to take the world. Okay, we can do that. And, and remember asking the questions, but then I would go back to like this couple we met up with a few days ago and said, how's the list going? How's it going? What were your dreams? What were your ambitions? What were, what were your incentives? What, what was your motivation back in the 20s? And now you're pushing on nearly 40. How are you getting on with that list? Because I want us to be in a place where we are remaining adventurous. Uh, sometimes people say, well, I just never get the opportunity to be adventurous for God. Well, the adventures are all around us all over the place, all around us all the time. You go, yeah, I don't seem to end up in those adventures. I, I, I read this, this story. That a couple were going on a day trip to London and, 
And, so, and uh, a couple, they went down there, spending a day out together, and uh, they asked each other, did you enjoy yourself? And, and he, said, uh, he said, yeah, the only, the only disappointment was that we didn't have the opportunity to minister together, like both Christians, okay? And they wanted to be in a place where they, they just, oh, we didn't get the chance. And, and the wife looked incredulous at him. What do you mean there wasn't an opportunity? The opportunities were all around us. And, and he said, you're kidding. Well, what do you mean? He said, no, no, honestly, there was loads. I, you just, I just didn't take them because I wanted to be with you today. And the husband was like, what do you mean? I didn't see any opportunities. And she was going, they were there all the time right in front of you, Simon. See, so give us an example. He said, well, there was a couple on the train on the way to London. They smiled at us and we said a few words. But that would have been easy to open up a conversation. And then there was the couple on the park bench. Do you remember sitting down to next to them over lunch? Well, they said they were from another country. We could have easily opened that one up. And then there was that man in the park smiling at us. No problem there. Then there was the guy in the market. Do you remember him? We bumped into him twice. And he said, oh, what's the chances of that? Crowded in the middle of a market in the middle of London. He thought that was weird. We thought that was weird. There's no weird coincidence. Perhaps that was an open door. Story of two people experienced the same day, one wanting the opportunities but just not seeing them, the other not wanting them on that occasion and clearly seeing at least five opportunities. Sometimes we need to be having our eyes open to maybe what God is wanting us to do. How do we do that? How do we grow in that expectation? Well, we need to be looking around, keeping our eyes open. There's this trend on the internet at the moment of people blindfolding themselves and doing kind of like crazy things. I'm not suggesting you go and do crazy things with your eyes closed. We need to open our eyes. We need to be ask, asking the question, God, what, what is it? What, what's happening? Why am I in this situation and circumstances now? Why, why is that flight being delayed? Why is that train being cancelled? Why is this situation? Why am I stuck in traffic? Is there an opportunity here? I need to be listening to the Spirit. I need to be praying. Okay, God, is there some situation you want me to be responding to? And then we need to kind of like step out in the opportunity. And all those things is about cultivating a heart of expectation. Now then, if we get into the Bible a little bit, I, there was too many verses for, for, for to put onto the, the slide. I just kind of, I don't necessarily even want to focusing on one or two verses. And I know I've probably possibly have run through these verses in the past in, over the last few years. But if we just look into chapter 8 of Matthew, and, we, and if we begin there, and, and it starts off in chapter 8 of Matthew, if you've got a, a, a Bible, even if you're just looking at some of the headings on here, it's kind of a, a 24, 48-hour uh, time frame in the life of Jesus. Uh, 48 hours. Okay, it starts off in the beginning of uh, Matthew chapter 8. And so when they came down from the mountain, there's great crowds that were following them. And there was a man with leprosy came to him. And uh, Jesus came to him, what do you want? I want to be healed. You have the ability to heal me of this. Okay, I, I do. Okay, I want to heal you of this. And Jesus just stretched out his hand and the leprosy immediately disappeared. And then a few verses on, we have uh, the story of Marble that comes in as the faith of a centurion. Okay, centurion, an army officer of the Roman army, came to him and a, a servant who was paralyzed, was suffering. And he said, Jesus, just say the word. Okay, just reach out and heal me. Now, now this story is just say the word. And Jesus just said the word and uh, the man was healed at that moment. Now, 
it's, also, it's already a pretty good day. A little bit later on, uh, probably after the long day, it just says that he arrived at Peter's house in verse 14. And he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He just reached out and he touched her hand and the fever left her. She rose and began to serve them. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons and cast out the spirits of the word and healed who were sick. All who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Okay, end of day one. That's, hey, have you done anything exciting today, dear? No, not really. That, that's a pretty cool day. Then the following day, when we pick it up, he goes out. There's a great crowd. They're having a way day. The crowd are pressing in. Jesus, I want to follow you. Let me bury my father first. And Jesus said, just follow me. And then in verse 22, there's this story of Jesus going out on the lake with his disciples. The great storm rises up. Jesus is asleep in the boat. Okay, humanity of Jesus, tired. I'm not surprised from the day that he had before. Asleep in the boat, this great storm kind of like comes in. And they'll go, oh, what's going on there? And Jesus just stands up and uh, he just says to the storm, be quiet, stop. And the storm stops, rebukes it, and calmness immediately comes. Verse 28, gets to the other side. I, I love how Jesus doesn't mind being inconvenienced in order to go and set a couple of people at liberty and at freedom. So he's had this boat ride across in the storm, told the storm to calm down, gets to the other side, and then these two people are coming out at him who've kind of had this uh, oppression upon them, uh, the spirit upon them, they come to him, Jesus just uh, rebukes uh, this evil within them, they're immediately set free, and everyone around them says, we don't like what you're doing, get in your boat and go back again. Jesus gets in his boat and go back again doesn't mind being inconvenienced. He said, okay, that's, that's a pretty good day. It's quite tiring to be going across over the other side, getting back in the boat, coming back again. But he gets back on the other side, okay, and he gets back on the other side and he, and he crosses over. And there's a paralyzed man who is brought by his friends in chapter uh, 9. Okay, after getting to a boat, he crossed back over to his own seat. Behold, some people brought him a paralyzed man laying on the bed and Jesus saw the faith. And he said to him, okay, take up, you're forgiven, get up and walk. And he got up and he walked. Okay, and then in verse 9, he has lunch, he has lunch with a tax collector called Matthew. And then in verse 18, he has a conversation, in-house training. And at this moment where he has this in-house training with his close friends and his, his disciples, a father comes kind of bursting in and saying, my daughter is dying or has died. Please, can you come and just touch her? That's all we need, just a touch from you. So Jesus gets up and goes with him. On the way of going with him, we pick it up in verse 20, a lady who's been suffering for many years with a severe blood discharge is thinking to herself, if only I can touch his cloak, then I will be healed. She does manage to touch his cloak, and she is healed. Jesus knows this, stops, has a conversation with her, but then carries on with the father, reaches the house, goes in, sends the mourners away, raises the girl back to life by saying come on little girl just breathe life come back into your body as he leaves that environment in verse 27 uh, two blind men come to him and say Jesus have mercy on me Jesus does have mercy on them and he says just see and they start to see in verse 32 as he continues a demon possessed mute man who couldn't speak gets set free just speak and then the Pharisees object to this but Jesus is moved and motivated by compassion and he calls the disciples together in at the back end of chapter 9 and the beginning of chapter 10 and he says look 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 there's opportunities all around 
that the, the harvest is plentiful. It's the laborers. It's the people out in the fields. That, 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 you know, that they're the ones that we need. And then chapter 10, we start off by Jesus sending them out into that very harvest field. The opportunities are all around us. Now, that was a pretty good 48 hours. Okay, uh, I, I don't suppose we have many days like that. But the expectation, the anticipation, just a hint of one of those stories would keep us buzzing for a while. But I don't think the adventure stops when we become Christians. The journey, the the adventure actually begins. Now, sometimes we can not live in the anticipation or the expectation. Okay, why not? Why, Why don't we live within that expectation that things like that story we've just heard don't happen to us. Now, some of it, you might go, hey, I'm not Jesus. Fair enough, we're not. But it says in chapter 10 that all authority has been given to you. Go out, go out and do the same things that I've just been telling you. It's like, okay, so why aren't we? Well, partly it's because of unbelief. Okay, that, that, that you know, I, I'm not quite sure when Jesus, it's all right for Jesus, not about me. I'm not sure if I'm that kind of person. I don't know whether I'm that kind of personality or I'm afraid because what if some if I say something and nothing happens what if I end up like you know praying for someone who's not well and they get worse what (laughs) what happens in that situation and or there's a fear of not knowing what to say or there's an uncertainty whether my personality is kind of going to get in the way or maybe it's just a disappointment I've tried it in the past I tried to do something you know it's never worked I'm not going to try it again or maybe we just switch off maybe we just tune out to think and we're getting on with the busyness of our life or the the, the things that are going on in life you know those important things that we get in and we just kind of switch off and maybe that results in complacency and hesitancy and reluctance so it results in anxiety i ask myself sometimes the question is is why do other people seem to have more stories than me why, why do people have more adventurous stories? You know, it's, <laughs> you know, Belinda, my wife, can just nip out to Tesco's at the end of our road for like a pint of milk. And normally it would take probably about 10, 15 minutes, and two hours later she still hasn't come back. Why not? Because of someone she's just happened to have bumped into on the way. And she'll come back, oh, you never were bumped into on the way. And then proceeds to tell me this kind of like amazing story that she just had on this chance, opportune moment of bumping into someone. There's an example of one of these situations. She went into Tesco's. There was, an, there was a neighbor, a former neighbor of ours. And we hadn't seen her for a while. Uh, we, we moved house not very far away, only like 200 yards away from where we used to live, just around the corner. And uh, we hadn't seen her for a while. And then we went into Tesco's and saw this lady and it's good to see you I haven't seen you how are you and it's just one of those small chit chat kind of conversations and then they kind of went away and, and as Belinda went away she just felt as if God prompted her and said you know this isn't it go, go and make a, go, go and speak to her again so she kind of like you know when you're on supermarkets and you're going up and down so the, uh, so the next time they came around she said look I don't think it's a, by chance I've bumped into you today I think actually Heavenly Father has got plans for your life we must meet up for coffee. And that was the end of that conversation. What Belinda didn't know was this lady who was in the Tesco's that day, was in Tesco's, buying 
her final meal to give to her kids before she went to beat your head. She'd been in psychiatric hospital. There was a history, there was a story, there was a, you know, there was a relational breakdown. There was like a lot of pain. There was a lot of, you know, and her life had absolutely imploded. And she'd already previously tried to end her life. And she'd been let out on a day release to, to, you know, f- from, from the unit she was in. And she'd gone to Tesco's to buy a, a meal for her teenage kids. And then she had other plans. But Belinda was just in Tesco's and walked around and said, Heavenly Father has plans for your life. And this other lady just went away. I knew my plans. I knew my plans. But then God stepped in. And her plans changed. And she stopped and turned around and walked away from the cliff edge. And it's this conversation that someone had in Tesco's. Yesterday there was a women's prayer breakfast in Eastbourne. Some of you may have gone, I'm not sure, but there's a couple. They're kind of like the same age of us, actually, and they've just been on this uh, kind of like three-month, six-month kind of like mini sabbatical thing. And uh, they've been able to step out of their employment and just go for an adventure. Okay, and, and that's what they've done. They've served in Live Village in Africa. They've gone on Mercy Mission ship. They've gone around, and they were just taking a little bit of a holiday. But during that time, they'd, they'd really got into a position where they were trying to outdo each other <laughs> in prayer, and in a good way. And, uh, you know, from what I understand, they were just saying, we're waiting for the opportunity. We, we, we're trying to get the, you know, the challenge is who gets, who gets to pray for someone first? Okay, I kind of like, like that challenge. And uh, in the situation, who can get the prayer in first? Not, not, you know, but in a good heart, okay? It's not as genuinely a competition. It's just in good heart. And uh, they were sitting in Singapore McDonald's in the early hours, uh, only a few days ago. And, uh, they were waiting for a flight back, so they stopped off at McDonald's in Singapore. They were coming back to the UK. And so they went to McDonald's in the early hours, and they ended up chatting to this English man next to them. And uh, start talking to him, and, and, they, and, 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 they, and they end up in a conversation, and they say, oh, just to say that we're Christians, we'd love to be praying for you. Can we pray for you now? And this man just looks startled. He said, what? Startled. And then you hear the story that his life had imploded, everything had come wrong, it all fallen apart, he was in Singapore, he'd been crying out to God, if you are real, send someone to me. They didn't know about this. They're just sitting in McDonald's at 2 o'clock in the morning in Singapore. It's part of the adventure that... God, I want to be sitting in McDonald's. Not focusing in on just the Big Mac in front of me. But God, is there an opportunity here? Is there a bit of an adventure that you want me to be a part of? To take that moment? Because I don't know whether that conversation... My words, that, that sentence will turn someone back from the brink. Get, the story I told about the back from the brink story, is, there's a video, you, you may have seen the video, we've made a video of that very story because the outcome of that, she did turn around and she met Jesus and she was baptised a little bit and she's very much an active part of Kings in Eastbourne. Remarkable story of grace and God's kindness. I've been studying a little bit of the book of Acts in just looking through the book of Acts. And, you know, some of you might be familiar with this, the book of Acts, uh, you know, 
there was four key guys who wrote stories about Jesus, okay, the, the, kind of like biographies of what had gone on. And uh, one called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and Luke wrote a sequel to his story called Acts of the Apostles. And uh, it's kind of what happened, okay? What's the next part of the story? And as you go through this story, you start to see there's a pattern that is emerging. So in Acts chapter 2, it says, added that day, there was a number of about 3,000 who were added to the church that day. And a little bit later on, it said, the Lord added to their number daily. A little bit later on after that, it said, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number grew to 5,000. And then in Acts chapter 5, it says, more than ever, the believers continued to increase, added to multitudes of men and women. Acts chapter 6, verse 7, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 9, so the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. Acts chapter 13, and the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region uh, called Pisidia. Acts chapter 16, so the churches were strengthened in faith and they increased in numbers daily. You start to see that there's definitely a pattern here. Believing that this story was actually inspired by the Holy Spirit, wasn't made up, and the Holy Spirit wants us to know that growth is a natural part and should be encouraged. The expectation. The expectation. Growth is the expectation. So here we are in this building. The expectation is that we're not settling here. The expectation is we're looking for an increase of people, not just in attendance. It's not about attendance. It's, it's, it's in about addition into God's kingdom. The ongoing impact of the work of Jesus, empowered literally by the fueling of the Holy Spirit, leads to expansion and multiplication. We should be expecting to grow. And that expansion happens through a movement. And we are that movement. It's you, it's me. So it's not just a leader thing. It's not just the one or two people who happen to walk through Tesco's at the right time. It's, it's a whole bunch of people who are wanting to be salt in this world and want to be like light in this world and want to be ambassadors for Christ in this world. It's going to be down to us. And so I want to encourage you is let's be people who are remaining in this expectation that the words that we're saying, the opportunities, the situations that we're stepping into can actually have a profound impact upon someone's life. Uh, Stephen Lloyd, the MP for Eastbourne, he asked me recently, he said, what makes you different? No, not me personally. What, what makes you as a church different from the other churches that he goes? He said, no, we shouldn't be different. But I, I kind of knew where he was coming from. He was, I understood. But he said, what makes you different? And I said, look, we, we're no different, but... but let me say this, that we exist primarily for the people who are not yet here. Primarily. That's the primary reason. Because there's a lot of people who are not yet here who we want to be introducing to Jesus. So how are we going to do that? Well, some of that means about me and my own life. And, and uh, the challenge is about what am I going to do? Am I placing myself into a good position? So I chatting to this couple on uh, Friday evening. Thursday evening, and Thursday, sorry, and we're with them. And, okay, what are you feeding yourself with? What, what are you fueling yourself with? If you kind of think my life isn't like, it shouldn't be like this. If, if his comment was, look, I'm fed up of doing church. I'm fed up of like listening to the, kind of, not, not to be disrespectful for the same sermons for 20 odd years. I'm, 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 I'm fed up of just singing the, the, the same songs. I'm fed up of this. Okay, what are you doing about it? What, 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 what stuff are you putting into you that's going to change that? In fact, the, the 24-7 prayer, 
great. That's a great place to step into. Go out and pray at home. The chances are, in likelihood, you'll get very distracted when you're at home. I think it's been a very good thing to step out of my world and into a very deliberate space to be able to say, God, I'm going to hear from you. This is it. I want to be hearing from you right now. Actually, the outcome of meeting up with these couples a few days ago who say, come on, we want to, okay, meet us in the prayer room. That's what we're doing. In uh, about 10 days' time, we've been a, a range of times. So we'll meet you. We'll meet you in the prayer room. We'll be praying together. We want to hear from God together. So put some good stuff into you. Feed yourself some good stuff into the groups that, that Polly was talking about before, the, the, the small groups. Uh, I don't know whether the grow bags, the discipleship grow bags have made them all the way across to Eastbourne, um, Seaford as yet. But discipleship, kind of that encouragement to, to be in a place where you're provoking and encouraging. If, if you kind of want to do a marathon, it's good to be running with other people. Me going out and running, it's just like, this is so dull and boring. Going running with someone, at least you can tell someone it's dull and boring. And there's more likelihood that you're going to do stuff if you do it together. So there is this importance of actually being together within a church context as well. How do we build one another up? How do we support? How do we encourage? How do we cheer on? So when I was here two, a few weeks ago, we watched a video, the 26 stories. What I noticed was people going, that's a nice story, that's a nice story. And then someone from Seaford came on, and what did you lot do? Okay, you were so biased in your support. <laughs> it's like going... It's brilliant. Oh, yeah, that's nice, that's nice. Tony's on the hook, oh, Tony. And then Ross appeared. Oh, either. <laughs> Cheer one another on. Okay, oh, there's Matt. Matt. Matt's on there. Listen to his story. Oh, oh, yeah, that's a good story as well. Cheer one another on. Okay, be an encouragement to one another. Okay, provoke. Come on, we can do this. Have you done this? And do you know what? What happens in British culture is that something, people say something and we rubbish them, we put them down. Oh, well, you're just bragging, aren't you? Oh, well, you prayed for someone, they didn't get healed, did they? Just celebrate the fact that someone is stepping out in faith to do something kind of brave. God, it's great that you've done that. Nothing, do you know what? What's the worst that could happen? You didn't die? And even if you did die, that's not the worst thing that could happen. Encourage one another. Support one another. Cheer people on. And then also within this local community, what can we be doing to bless, to impact? Oh, it's a great question. I overheard a comment the other day, and someone was talking about you know, Love Eastbourne. And they say, oh, why do they keep going on about Love Eastbourne? We, you know, they keep telling us that we need to replace the doors that are broken. And they keep telling us to go and give our money away to the people who, you know, just to go and give our money away. Why don't we keep our money and spend it on these doors over here? I'm going, oh. It's, that's why we need to keep banging on about this. It's about blessing the town in which we live. Jesus didn't say, look, the... The harvest fields are plentiful, but do you know what? I'm going to go down the road and do something myself. Let's send laborers into the, the fields. You know, I, I don't want to be looking after my own. That all, look after yourself. Where God has called us to go and look after others. So let's celebrate everything. If there's skepticism, a cynicism, let's challenge that. Let's give it a go. What's the worst that's going to happen? Our God is with us. Our God is for us. We will fear no evil. God's are the impossible things we've been singing about this morning. And 
give it a go. Join the adventure. Be a part of the adventure. So if you're hitting midlife crises, <laughs> early, prematurely, if you haven't got onto that, you know, don't settle for boring. Settle for what God wants you to be doing. Now, some of you, that would be going to Mozambique. Within five days, you might find yourself in another part of the world. Some of you, it might be, I don't know, going to less exotic locations like New Haven and Peace Haven. Don't look too shocked. This town. There's a town in Oregon in the U.S. called Boring. It's got 7,762 residents in the town of Boring. In 2012, they twinned with a Scottish hamlet called Dull. <laughs> dull and boring. Okay, dull is a population of 84. You say, I don't want to metaphorically live in dull or boring. Okay, where nothing happens. Where I'm not seeing the breakthroughs. Where no adventure is taking place. I want to live in kind of the opposite of dull and boring. So what's stopping me? What's stopping me from making the right move? If dull and boring is over here, sorry, I wasn't being rude, but if you are dull and boring, but you don't want to live residents of dull and boring, then you need to get up and move. You need to get to move to not boring and exciting and adventure. You need to get up and move. Don't settle. Don't get comfortable. So it is. So I, I told this couple the other day, don't, don't settle for this. What could we be doing? What, could, what, what, what ignites you? What sparks you? And we just, do you know what? We just dropped in two thoughts on Friday evening. Just two thoughts. And they've come bouncing back already. Their heads are thinking about, we could do this. What about this? Is the possibility of doing that? Do you know what? It doesn't take much. Don't settle for dull and boring. Move across into adventure. Move across into God's best plan for life. So that really is my encouragement. Where am I going to choose? What is stopping me from moving? Physically now, if I said, move if you don't want to live in dull and boring, what would stop you? It would be a sense of, I feel kind of awkward in front of all these people. Or it could be a sense of pride. Or it could be a sense of, Do you know, I'm quite comfortable over here. I've got the padded seats down the front. Quite happy down the front. Nice padding. I'm out the back. I don't need to move. There can be an attitude within us that stops us from moving. Maybe I need to change my attitude. Maybe I've got a little bit cynical. Maybe I've got a little bit disbelieving. Maybe I've got a little bit disappointed. Maybe I've just got a little bit caught up in other things in life. Maybe I'm just a little bit afraid. Maybe. Maybe I'm just trying to find some safety. Maybe I lack compassion. I don't want to sing the same old songs, hearing the same old messages. The truth is, you don't have to. You don't have to. And I encourage you to make the right move. 24-7 is a good move. Sitting in McDonald's at two in the morning might be another. God, what do you want to do? I want to begin the adventure. So if you're able... Why don't we close down this meeting now, but I'm just going to pray. We've got a few minutes. John, if you're going to come and lead us in that well-known Let's Go to McDonald's at 2 in the Morning song. It's a classic song. Okay, if you're able, why don't we stand together?
Okay, some of you may have just settled for being a little bit, this is what life's like. And sometimes age comes into that, and sometimes physicality and ability comes into that. Sometimes there's a mental thing that happens. Maybe sometimes things just come in and seep in, and it just changes from who we were. Father, I pray that now that your spirit will be at work in people. And my expectation now, uh, you know, my, my hope and my prayer is this, that you'll start to shift some of the thinkings and the patterns of thinking right now that have stopped us from sitting in McDonald's at two in the morning asking you, what do you want me to do here? Or in whatever context I find myself in, whether it's commuting on the train, whether it's traveling in a car with a, a passenger, or whether it's sitting on a bus, whether it's having a conversation, Lord, there's opportunities around and, and you're just saying, look, they're there all the time. I just need people who have got their eyes open and can see it and are willing to step in. God, I don't want to live in dull or boring. I don't, I, you know, it's not where the adventure is. And I don't want to settle for being a part of a, of a population that has sat back and not doing anything. And Father, I pray that into this church here, that even coming into the building, that actually this would just be a kickstart to an adventure. That this won't be the end, it's just the beginning, the next chapter. And that you move us on, and you move us on in this town to see this town, and you see the surroundings town, and you see New Havens, and the Peace Havens, and, the, and everything in between being blessed by you, because you have places here for a reason right now. You called us here whether that's a chance conversation in Tesco's Morrison's, whether that's an opportunity somewhere, God, you've called us for this. Help us to keep out of dull and boring and help us to live in adventure. Help us to make the right move. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.